that means this game is over. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs. McCaffrey's going to get it, and he walks in. Touchdown, San Francisco. Here's Birdie looking, firing in. Joe caught. Ayuk, touchdown. And the ball came out. Ball is loose. Who's got it? Welcome to the Mixed Pick Sports Show. It is Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. Let's say hi to Steve Mickelson from MixPicks.com. Two K's in Mix, two K's in Picks. MixPicks.com. Hello, Steve. Good morning. All right, you can call us uh, 888-989-9811. Email us, rad at radradio.com. Uh, on the way, as promised yesterday, what a night in the uh, in the NBA. We've got ejections. We've got technicals. We've got bitching at the rest. They actually played some basketball, too, with some surprising outcomes. Uh, yesterday was Bash Lamar Jackson Day uh, on uh, on all sports media platforms. Uh, but uh, is that really the... The reason the Ravens lost, we're going to dive into that. We got a little bit of news. Uh, I texted you yesterday, Steve. We got our first bit of uh, of news news, football news, about the Super Bowl. Defensive end Charles Ominahu, I think I got that right. I think that's how I heard it pronounced, uh, tore an ACL in Sunday's AFC Championship game, and he will not play in the Super Bowl. He had seven sacks this season. He used to play for the Niners, uh, by the way. I, I This was background noise, Steve, when I texted you. Um, and so I had NFL Live on, and I don't remember which former player it was that I was able to key into that that was talking. And he he said this is a much bigger deal than people will think it is. And and without knowing a lot about, you know, I didn't dive into his stats. Okay, I see he has seven sacks. Anything that lightens pressure on Purdy is a big deal to me. I I I, I do think this is the first the first like okay, this could really affect the game thing. Uh, absolutely. For the Chiefs to be successful, they're going to need to apply pressure to Purdy. Uh, it, it may or may not have had an effect, but the 49ers are now up to a two-point favorite. So we have watched since last night this game go from one to two. So the money has been coming in on San Francisco. You, you know, the Chiefs are undermanned in a sense because, again, the 49ers do have a lot of talent on that team and the Chiefs just can't afford to have a serious injury to a player like this because they need the pass rush. They need to be disruptive from that defensive line. And uh, these are things that just point towards the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, so the, on the line, Steve, um, yesterday – so it, I know these things are not exact, depending on which which source you're looking at, sportsbook, ESPN, bet, things like that. It opened as the Niners as between a two and a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Then it went down to one. I heard yesterday, and I, I, di- I did not look to confirm, that there was a point yesterday, early, like maybe before we even did yesterday's show, where the Chiefs had, been, had gotten bumped to a one-point favorite. Either way, you're right. It's now all the way back. We got it to the Niners, I think, by two, right? I, we did get an email yesterday, right at the end of the show. I don't know where I put it. I'm sorry. I have so many different show folders. So I apologize to the emailer uh, that it came in at the end of yesterday's show. And I said, oh, this will be great to open up uh, tomorrow's show with. So to whoever you are that emailed us at red at radradio.com, I'm going to paraphrase your question because it's one that I asked Steve uh, on uh, on Monday. What is what is it? And you kind of just explained it there, but what does it mean when when a, when it opens up? Let's just use my fake numbers. Niners are favored by two and a half. Oh my God, it's down to one. Let's pretend the Chiefs were favored for a little bit, and now now it's back to the Niners. What is that? And, and his question was more specific to: Is that everyday gambling people? Is that like professional betters, and and what are they doing, and how are they moving the line? Well, 
as a sports book, you're going to move the line based on the money you take in. Ideally, you'd like to take in the same amount of money on both sides, you know, to balance the game out because then you make the juice in that game uh, or the VIG, whichever way you want to call it, which comes from you lay $11 to win 10. The other side lays $11 to win 10. You're going to pay whoever wins $21. The house is going to keep the other dollar because when you make a bet, you get your money you bet back plus an amount you win. So we'd be taking 11 from one person, 11 from the other person, and then pay back whoever won $21, even though the house took in 22. That's how a sports book makes money off of that. As money comes in, you're going to adjust the point spread. And early on, the bets were all on the Chiefs. So at two, down to one and a half, you keep taking Chiefs money. You drop it down to one. You keep taking Chiefs money. I saw some places get to pick. I did not see anyone actually go to the Chiefs favored. Uh, but now you're seeing that 49er money come in. So now with that one, it's up to one and a half. You keep getting 49er money, you're up to two. Now, as a better, one of the things you want to look at is there are, well, two things. There is the amount of tickets wagered on a team, and then there's the amount of money wagered on the team. So if you look at it right now, I believe the Chiefs have had 72% of the tickets are bet on the Chiefs. Wow. So you're looking at almost three out of four tickets come in on the Chiefs, but yet the point spread is going back up. That means the big bets are on the 49ers. And then depending on the place, uh, usually the big bets tend to be the sharps, the people who know what's going on and are professional gamblers. Although when you hit a big game like this, the Super Bowl, you know, it, there can be a lot of big bets made by tourists because everyone wants action on the game. So as a better, that's one of the things you want to look at. And when you see a large majority of tickets on one side, so they're all betting one team, but the point spread instead of going down is actually going up. That's one of the things you want to look at when you're making a bet because you want to be on that other side. You want to be on the side of the money, not the amount of tickets bet. All right, so a few questions in there. Um, okay, so first of all, we, we, we – Occasionally, got to remind people of your resume. For decades, you've run sports books, so that that's kind of the that's the very short version. Um, and when you say they're changing the line, you mean the correct me if I'm wrong. It's the the sports book manager is adjusting based on the money coming in. Correct. So for many years, that's what I did. I I, I ran the book. I was the one who approved the bets, and I'm the one who determined what that point spread would be for you know the book that I managed. And, and that's part of what we do. That's what these other places, a lot of places have gone to data feeds when you get outside of the state of Nevada. And what that is, is basically a computer running the program. But the problem with those from a book standpoint is that they have no idea who made a bet and or how much money you take in. It just kind of takes the, you know, the, the consensus of all the different lines that are out there. And then that's what it makes the line not being specific to that book and or to specific players because there are certain players uh, that will come in that you're going to move the line immediately because they're very good at what they do. There's other players that you're going to sit there and take their bets and you're really not going to do anything with it. And that's part of the book manager director's job is to understand the differences between the players 
and to put it in table games, blackjack. One's a card counter. One's a tourist from Tennessee. Hmm. The tourists from Tennessee, let them play all they want. We really don't care. And let's have some fun because chances are we're going to beat them. The card counter, you have to be very strict with because they are taking your advantage you have away. So the card counters of sports betting you immediately want to move off of. The tourists in from Tennessee, let them play. Let them have a good time. So basically the data feed thing is the analytics of the sports book uh, world, it sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's what we do. The, the you know, in a sports book, the faster you can understand what type of player that person is, the better off you're gonna be. So uh, you were talking about the one the, the side of the betting you want to be on. Are you an advocate then for waiting until the last minute to actually place a bet? Not necessarily. I, I mean, there is that factor of just kind of seeing how it comes in. Um, I believe in taking a line when you have that opportunity. I, I don't believe in waiting. You know, there's many times that I think betting the opening line is the best bet you're going to get. In a game like this, there were some places that were, you know, laying three on the 49ers. Well, if you like the Chiefs, grab that three because I don't think this game's ever going to really get back to three. It could, but chances are it's not going to. And if you like the 49ers, as you watch the line drop down to pick them, Grab the pick them at that time because now the 49ers just have to win the game and you're laying 11 to win 10 as opposed to right now at that two, you're looking at anywhere from minus a buck 25 to minus a buck 30, you know, for the 49ers to win that game. And one more on this. You mentioned the volume of betting. There's a lot of just schlubs, everyday people that, that do it, you know, for the first time or the only time. Correct me if I'm wrong. It is still the, like the mecca of sports betting. It, it, it's still Super Bowl and March Madness, right? Oh, absolutely. The Super Bowl is the single biggest single day wagering event. Uh, March Madness now competes, if not exceeds the betting for the Super Bowl. But understand that that rolls out over three weeks. Right. So, you know, that opening weekend, the first four days are fantastic. Uh, but you get to roll three weeks of wagers into one event where the Super Bowl is just one one day, one event. A couple of other uh, updates. Uh, so uh, no surprise to us. In fact, the minute we heard this story, you and I both said, well, that's the guy that's going to get the job. Uh, all the reports are uh, that the Chargers are in talks to hire Baltimore Ravens director of player personnel, Joe uh, Hortiz, as their general manager. And, and the, I mean, the Harbaugh's have taken nepotism to this whole other level. The, the brothers just share information and, and say, look, this is the guy. And apparently Harbaugh obviously liked him enough that they're moving forward. He was this uh, this Hortiz guy was with the Ravens for 26 years. It's not a done deal yet. But the thing that caught my eye, Steve, about Harbaugh was Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, who who's pretty good. He, he, although he doesn't provide the context for this, he he says that that Harbaugh could still be penalized by the NCAA. The NCAA could still announce that he's being suspended or whatever, even though he's not coaching there. And for these two different investigations that are going on. And he says, without explaining, that he does not, his reporting is that the NFL will not allow him to have a safe harbor. Now, the way that's written, he's basically saying that what, the NFL is going to enforce a suspension from the NCAA? I mean, what, when I throw that at you, does that make any sense to you? Because I'm just scratching my head. No, and, you know, to give the NCAA that kind of power over coaching in the NFL, we didn't see Pete Carroll get in trouble. I mean, yeah. look what he did at USC. He went to the Seahawks. He didn't have any, oh, look, you're going to have to be suspended for the first year. 
I think there's a lot of questions on that in the first place. So you're going to not let Harbaugh coach because a rogue low level, you know, person assisting with your team went out and videotaped, you know, the other team's games. And I'm not saying that that's good, but you're going to stop him from coaching the NFL for something like that or holding practices, you know, during COVID, uh, which he probably said the team just got together and did it again. I'm not saying what he did is right, but to hold it against him moving into the NFL, if he chooses to go back to college football, have at it. Yeah. That's where he serves those suspensions and, and faces whatever disciplinary action. But I find it hard to believe the NFL is really going to sit there and allow the NCAA to dictate what the NFL is going to or not going to do. Yeah, Rappaport's usually better than that. And so if I'm missing something and somebody saw the story, feel free, you know, call or email and fill it in because that that you just look at that story and you think that's clickbait and he's not he doesn't usually go down that road. Now, if we talked yesterday, we talked a lot about the Lions uh Niners game and you know, if we agree, you can't just blame Dan Campbell. It, it, that's the, that was the sexy thing. Uh, his his two t- his two attempts to to get a first down, you know, on, on fourth down, uh, go for it and um, it, it, those th- those stood out, and so so those were what a lot of people focused on. For me, you know, the play in the Ravens Chiefs game, I mean, it, that that Zay Flowers fumble was just soul crushing, and um, he he came out yesterday and he said that he'll basically just said he's going to learn from his mistakes, but he he's escaped a lot of the the scrutiny because it it was it was bash Lamar Jackson Day yesterday, and they and I get it they they point to Six career playoff games, six touchdowns, six interceptions, sacked 24 times, two wins. Uh, and, and there are endless stories uh, with headlines like quarterback Lamar Jackson, no more excuses, things like that. Heard yesterday a lot of the a lot of things you were saying. He's a good quarterback. He's not elite. I, 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 I do think Lamar Jackson, uh, he's obviously got some things to prove in, in the postseason. He also, though, Steve, he's got to be given the right play scheme and the right calls and and. We did not spend as much time yesterday on the Chiefs, Ravens, uh, as the Lions and and, uh, and Niners for obvious reasons. And I know that at one point yesterday you kind of went through a recap. And if you if you I don't I don't know if you pointed this specific stat out or not. And if you did, I just missed it because I was fumbling through other papers. There's not enough attention, in my opinion, being focused on the uh, the offensive coordinator, this Todd Monken guy. It's his first year in the NFL. I get it. I heard this yesterday, and, and my head spun around. The Ravens were the number one rush yards per game team in, the, in all the, all season. Number one. They rushed the ball six times in this game, and the Chiefs are, like, terrible. They're, like, what, 25th against the rushing offense. That They went completely against everything that got them there with their scheme, and there should be a little more attention paid to that, shouldn't there? Oh, w- without a doubt. And sorry, I'm going to I'm gonna change this slightly and then go back to your question. All right. Uh, right before we went on the air, I saw a quick article, not confirmed. Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator for the Lions, has withdrawn his name oh. from both the Commanders and Seahawks jobs. Really? He is not going to go to either team if this story holds true. Because the smart money was on the commanders that, that he had expressed an interest through back channels that, that he would want to talk to them. Yes, absolutely. Everything we've heard was he was pretty much a lock for the commanders. Uh, but right as we were going on the air, I saw 
you know, an article that came up and said that he has withdrawn his name uh, from both the commanders and the Seahawks, notify both teams that he is no longer interested. And I don't know if this is your source, but uh, ESPN is is reporting it, and it is at Shefty, Adam Schefter, and, and he's reporting it's a stone cold, he's staying with the Lions. Not only am I not interested in those jobs, I am, that is big news, and for a Lions fan, that is great news. I think it's fantastic news. And one of the things that, you know, the head coaches now are getting the money. One of the things I'd like to see is, you know, if you get a great coordinator, pay them. I mean, yes, everyone's dream is to be a head coach in the NFL. But you know what? If you're not going to be that head coach, let's make them a little happy. If you have that great coordinator and you work well with the head coach, not everybody has to be the boss. But, you know, they're also chasing the money of the head coach. So pay your assistants, well, you know, make the best coaching staff that you possibly can. And you know what? That's a perfect tie into this Todd Monken thing uh, because we're talking about coordinators. Now, it, it, I, I get these things confused. Is Monken the guy that came from Michigan? Where'd he come from? I'm not exactly sure on that. I'll look. Uh, but, you know, back to your, your part, you, you know, yesterday I said the Chiefs became the Ravens and played the Ravens style against the Ravens. And as you talk, Gus Edwards had three carries. The other running back had three carries. So they had six carries in that game against the Chiefs from their running backs. Lamar Jackson obviously got the majority of the runs, you know, off of their, you know, run pass option. But that's not Ravens football. No. And this is one of the knocks we have against Lamar Jackson is they get down by you know, 10 points, they don't know how to adjust. And obviously the offensive coordinator didn't know how to adjust either because he left the running game the whole game. I, I, I mean, three carries, Gus Edwards should have gotten three carries on like the first two drives, let alone the entire game. Yes, Zay Flowers' fumble was incredible was awful. That was a backbreaker <laughs> yeah. in the game. But there was also undisciplined penalties. I mean, you saw the guy clothesline Patrick Mahomes on one of the runs. Uh, you, you saw some unnecessary roughnesses on Mahomes, you know, with hits to the head, various things that went on. And the Ravens have always been a disciplined football team. And as that game went on, mm -hmm. they just became more and more unraveled, which, you know, does go to the coaches, et cetera. But I, I think the Chiefs did a wonderful job. They took the game plan against the Ravens away, and this offensive coordinator did not know how to adjust. By the way, Monken, he was offensive quarter with the uh, Buccaneers and then the Browns, and he was with uh, Georgia for four years before he came uh, to, uh, to the Ravens. And there's no indication that, he, that his job is in trouble. Again, first-year uh, coordinator job, but he's, he's, been, he's done the job. Uh, I don't know. I, I just don't like the lack of focus that I'm seeing in the sports media, but that doesn't mean that's what's going on in, in, the, in Baltimore. Phone number is 888-989-9811. Hello, Lisa. Hi. I guess my question is all this talk about Lamar Jackson and not one person is talking about how he caught his own pass in the game. <laughs> that was the highlight, unfortunately. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a great play. I mean, just the concentration to be watching, paying attention to it. And, and you know, you like to believe that that most quarterbacks are, but most quarterbacks aren't going to be able to then catch the ball and convert it 
you know, gain, what do you gain? 12, 13, yeah. 14 yards on the play. Most quarterbacks are trying to knock it down. So it's not, or if they catch it, they don't have the athletic ability, you know, to turn it into a big gain like Lamar Jackson did. And that, that bring, thank you, Lisa. That does bring us all the way back to Lamar Jackson. As I said, I mean, he's just getting bashed and I understand it. It, the teams that perennially get close and don't finish the job, they get bashed like this too. The bills are, are, are experiencing some of that this season and and players especially quarterbacks who constantly i mean you you and i have done it for years with kirk cousins uh in various different ways lamar jackson it's warranted in the sense that i'm told every damn year that he's the best quarterback or one of the three best quarterbacks in the nfl he he's gonna win the mvp this season um but he crumbles now yes steve i get it the team your, your evaluation of sunday the team came became unraveled that's coaching but Lamar Jackson's the leader. He has a role in this, and and I know that he 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 did his speech. You know, he he wasn't what was it? He wasn't uh, disappointed. He's pissed or something like that in the locker room. He's saying all the right things, but this is the seventh, sixth, seventh time we've heard all of this, and he's gonna he's got he's got the reputation as can't win the big game already. Yeah, but I gotta defend Lamar Jackson a little bit here because the the coaching staff has to be prepared and come up with a game plan to be successful in the postseason. There's a big difference between regular season and postseason. We've seen Lamar Jackson's game plays great in the regular season, but to this point hasn't played well in the postseason. That's a coaching staff's job to figure out what they need to do to vault this team to the next level. And Lamar Jackson, he's a gifted quarterback. He is a lot of fun to watch play. He's a very good quarterback he's not elite because he hasn't developed into that pure passer that you can rely on to bring a team back from down 10 but that's part of the coaching staff you, you know they, they use him to his athletic ability and they do a great job but the postseason every team you're playing is a great team you're not playing the arizona cardinals or the carolina panthers or these teams in the postseason and I put more responsibility in the coaching staff and, and I do credit the chiefs coaching staff because what they did was they just flipped the script and they became the Ravens and really took it to the Ravens. They need to Steve young, this guy, they need to pull back. They need to teach him to be a pocket passer. It's that time in his career where he shouldn't be running as much. It's a great tool to have and, and he will still use it, but they need to pull him back and get him into that pure passing instinct and and I always do this test when we start to criticize quarterbacks 32 teams in the NFL 25 of them would take Lamar Jackson right now if they could that's I mean that's how good he is we might not be elite but I, I bet if you and I sat down I bet we'd be between 20 and 25 teams and we'd go yep they would take Lamar they would take Lamar they would take Lamar yeah I think we'd be closer to the 25 than the 20 yeah. I, I, without a doubt I, I mean most every team in the NFL would take him unless you got a Joe Burrow or a Josh Allen or something like that. And I think your your comparison to Steve Young is a great comparison. You know, he was known as a running quarterback who could also throw the ball. You know, at BYU, you know, I went to a San Diego State game against BYU, uh, which is one of my biggest memories. And LeVar Edwards, because BYU was up huge, that the San Diego State fans started chanting to put Steve Young back in because he wasn't quite at 400 yards passing and I think he was already over 200 yards rushing. And 
they ended up putting him back in so he could pass for 400 yards, <laughs> you know, which was really cool because they blew him out like 50-something to seven. Uh, but you have to develop Lamar Jackson as a quarterback. As he gets older and he advances in his career, he's going to have to be more and more of a pure passer, not the running quarterback that we've always seen. And that again, that to me falls on the coaching staff, his quarterbacks coach develop him. And we just haven't seen that happen this part in his career. Quick, quick break. It was a big ball night last night. Uh, a lot of times those don't live up, but boy, did they with all sorts of storylines, doc rivers, debut refing uh, complaints, like literal complaints that are going to get fined technicals and ejections. We'll go over all of it next. Mix picks the mix pick sports show. Call the Mix Pick Sports Show at 888-989-9811. So, Steve, I got to tell you, uh, my mom, my uh, 83-year-old mother, is a huge fan of yours. She's always loved you uh, on, when you do your uh, rad radio appearances. And uh, she she watches us or listens to us wherever she is uh, uh, every day when we do our sports show. Um, and and she, she's been thrilled about it. But, but... I got a text from her this morning uh, when she heard me promoting what we were going to be talking about. Because, you know, when you're on the regular rad radio show, I, I make it very, very mainstream, very much, you know, football is really the thing. And we only kind of dabble in, in other sports. So she sent me a text. She said, uh, I hope you and Steve have a great show, but please don't bore me to tears with basketball. So I'm going to do my best. Because uh, what I actually have found in my personal experience is with sports, like basketball, I was not into basketball as a kid. I mean, I was too short. Uh, and the Warriors were terrible when I was growing up in the in the Bay Area. But I found that the more I learned about it and watched it, the more I got into it. So I'm hoping maybe my mom and others will, will experience that, especially after nights like last night. Uh, Doc Rivers had his big debut uh, with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, they lost. Um, the whole reason he got the job, A, is he's Doc Rivers, and B, the defense had, had fallen off. They did play better defense last night. And Doc Rivers said exactly what you said yesterday, Steve, uh, after the game. He says, it's going to take a minute. Quote, I'm trying to slowly put in some of my stuff and simplify some of their stuff. There, there's no story there other than Doc Rivers is, is, is now the coach and, oh, he didn't win his first game. It's going to take some time for them to, you know, for him to put in his system. And he's got to get the buy-in from the players. I, I mean, if he doesn't get the buy-in, it doesn't mean anything. You know, the part that I think people are missing on is I think there's immense pressure on Doc Rivers to win there. This is their window. This is their time. They brought him in because they want a championship. If he exits in the first round oh. of the playoffs, you know, where does that go now for the Bucks? So there's a lot more pressure on him than people think, but you got to give him time to put his system in, get the players to buy in, so they then give themselves a chance to be successful, to have that long run into the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, again, basketball—it's a long season, and and it's there is still plenty of time. It's not like the Bucks are like, oh my God, we're 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 wavering right on whether or not we're going to make the playoffs. So, it, as long as he takes the next three months to get his system in place in time, so that he doesn't go out in the first round of the playoffs, it will be fine. You're right. He he can't go out. He can't go out in the first round. But I don't know what I don't know what they do, and that would be a that would be a bad way for him to end a really storied career. Or I mean, I don't know if they would fire him, but it, there there would be there'd be a lot of a, a lot of rumblings. He he's got time. The the uh, we, we talked about the uh, the timber the the Timberwolves and the Thunder were playing for first place in the Western Conference, and Anthony Edwards had exploded 
after the game. I only saw the clip of what he was talking about. Uh, he in his post game interview he said, "I'm not. I'm going to take the fine." This was this was on the the national TV broadcast. I'm going to take the fine. The refs did not give us the calls tonight, and he kept going in the locker room. The refs were bad. It was terrible. And his big thing, he he makes this dunk with just under two minutes left, and the the the, uh, the Thunder call a timeout. Meanwhile, Edwards is grabbing his left wrist, thought he was fouled. He looks at the crew chief. They do nothing, and then Edwards gets all all animated. So this was one of the stories on the court last night, including Edwards knowing, and I just checked, I don't see the fine has been announced yet, but, but he goes off after the refs. This is the second time in two weeks, Steve, we've had to do- deal with the same thing we're doing within the NFL of bitching about the refs now in the NBA. Yeah, I, I don't think this is going away anytime soon. It, you know, in that play, you know, he hurt his wrist, he fell to his foul, there was none, and I believe he went on in his rant saying that he's playing, you know, eight on five because he's playing against all three referees as well. <laughs> yeah, he did. Not just five <laughs> on five, but we got to beat all the refs too. I, I believe this is going to become, you know, much more visible with sports betting becoming legalized everywhere. You know, the fine for him really isn't going to mean anything. You know, and I like it as a fan. Look, I want to hear what they have to say, what their opinions are. Uh, you know, the Wolves went on. They beat the Thunder. It was a big game for both teams as they're vying for the top spot really out of the West right now, even though I think the Nuggets and Clippers are better teams. But these are the teams sitting there, you know, like three, four. Uh, you know, and, and I want to touch base on, you know, what you were talking about with the Bucks and not having to play you know, it's going to take a little time when you look at the Lakers and here's a classic example. The Lakers have to do everything with time management. Don't look at the Lakers record. Their goal is just make the playoffs. They feel they're good enough that they can then run, but they want to be healthy. They want to play in good basketball. When they hit the playoffs, they're not concerned with their overall record here. I think the bucks have to take that same approach. Don't judge us by our wins and losses right now. Allow us to take the time to build the team that can compete in the postseason. That's what we're using the regular season for, to build that team to go deep into the playoffs. So I don't think you should really be looking much at the Bucks record for the next month or so. Yeah. Because I'm them. I'm looking at April, May, June. So, okay, speaking of the Lakers, by the way, did you see this hit, this Dylan Brooks hit on LeBron? The, the the egregious thing that happened yesterday in that game was was the Jared Vanderbilt play in the second quarter when Vanderbilt is airborne and Dylan Brooks uh, it, it grabs him. But the one that's getting all the attention because it's LeBron is that when when he he nails LeBron in the face. This is later in the game, I, and I I watched it multiple times, and it it is a foul. Don't get me wrong. LeBron did a great job of playing that up too, though. I mean, the 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 Vanderbilt hit when you when you grab a guy in midair, as and this is what the Lakers were talking about after the game. The media is talking about the LeBron side. That is so dangerous. And then he, he and then it, he he went over later and, and he nudged Vanderbilt in the back. And then Vanderbilt winds up poking uh, uh, Brooks in the ear, so he got a technical. That was his second. He got ejected. Of course, the Lakers they were like, "Wait a minute, that's not that's not how it." And now there is there is I should point out a lot of Lakers players after the game said that Brooks called Vanderbilt what they what they phrased as an unsavory name. 
who knows what that is. Um, and, and I'm not saying that Brooks is innocent, but when I saw the LeBron play, I was like, okay, that's not the one. It was the Vanderbilt one. I don't know how much of this you saw. I didn't get to see it, but, you know, reading up on it, for, first of all, you know, the, the play on Vanderbilt going up in the air, you shouldn't be doing it. You got to be looking out for player safety. I like to believe that no player in the NBA ever wants to hurt another player or take away their livelihood because this is how they make the living. But, you know, that's old school. That's what we would see all the time in the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> you know, you did that. This is the price you're going to pay. But that's not how basketball is played today. And he was just, you know, all over on Vanderbilt. He was instigating it, you know. But LeBron, and again, I didn't see it, but the NBA, I know there's a rule against flopping, but oh my gosh, <laughs> these guys are great actors. They've been for many, many years. Anything close, they're going to overhype it. And oh, you know, he's knocking me to the ground and the guy like barely even touched them. And you see times where they didn't touch them and they're going into that flop. So I like the idea of the flop rule, but boy, the NBA players are you know, great actors at this and they always take it to that next level. Yeah. They're, they're soccer level. It, it would be, that would be a great skills test, like in a pro bowl game kind of thing. Uh, NBA players against international soccer players and, and who flops better because they have honed this. And, and it just, again, I know LeBron got smacked in the face. It happened. I'm not saying that, but his, if his reaction, he, he did his job. He did. Now you, you and I texted yesterday. Um, you know, we were talking yesterday, the, the Kings are playing Memphis, but, you were not happy with the way the Kings looked and they did turn the ball over way too much. Yeah. They had a lot of turnovers. They couldn't shoot the three at all early on the game. I think by the time I was able to turn it on, they were four for 24 from three, you know, Sabonis had an outstanding game. Fox hit some key shots and they stepped up. This is a couple of games in a row that I've been watching them that I really like late in the game. They step up, they find a way to win. Uh, you know, they ended up winning this game by nine where they trailed a major portion of this game all the way through. But the th I, I'm becoming more impressed because I've been so critical on their defense, but they're coming through when they need to. But they just, the turnovers and not being able to hit the three, a team should not win that game. They found a way to win. It was against the Grizzlies. But that's what you need to do to play winning basketball. You have to find ways to win when things aren't going your way. And credit to the Kings. They did last night. But to your point, you can't put yourself in a hole like that against the Nuggets. You can pull it off against the Grizzlies, things like that. But the uh, the Kings play in Miami tomorrow. I wanted to mention LeBron says he will play tonight. Uh, he said that right away. Uh, they play the, the Hawks. And I, I, I'm trying to be <laughs> funny yesterday. I, I asked you by how many points are the uh, 76ers going to kill the Trailblazers, and Portland just destroyed Philly last night. Yeah, injuries are a big key. Embiid and Maxi both have been out the last games. Uh, they're going to be game-time decisions. You don't know if they're going to play again today. So when you're betting the NBA, you really, really need to pay close attention into who's in, who's out for these lineups. And, and that's where I would tell you, if you're going to bet NBA, you need to be waiting. You know, you asked me on that for the NFL. The NFL, we see things they play once a week, but the NBA, you know, so much has to do with the players. And Bead scored like 30 plus points and I don't know, pretty much the whole season, it seems. Uh, he needs to be in there. Maxie is such a huge part of that offense as well. One out, 
this team's not the same, both out. They're really not, you know, a great team. I mentioned that uh, I, I, I double checked right before we went back on the back on the air uh, as to whether or not the fine had, had come down uh, for uh, for Anthony Edwards uh, mouthing off at, at the rips. And, and it still hasn't. But the the story that had just popped up that caught my eye real quick is, you know, all the all these coaches, they do these radio shows. Uh, and and uh, um, today already happened. Head coach uh, Jason Kidd of the Dallas Mavericks has done his show. I get it. You have to talk up your guys. This, but this one is getting headlines because he declared in his uh, in his appearance that that that, that uh, uh, I want to get this exactly right. Dirk Nowitzki is no longer the greatest player in uh, in Mavericks history, and not only that, but he says that Luka Doncic he's already putting at Michael Jordan level. Is that what? Really? I I can't put him. At a Michael Jordan level, a Kobe Bryant level, a Larry Bird level, a Magic Johnson level. I, I, there's a lot of players I I put ahead of. Luca is an unbelievably talented basketball player. He is great. He is one of the all-time greats. I'm not putting him in the top ten. Uh, he's got to win some championships. <laughs> right. But but one of the things that frustrates me when I watch the Mavs, it's all about him. You know, you see him and he gets upset when he doesn't get the ball when he wants it. It's him in every game, it seems, against the opponents. And I just don't think you can win world championships if it's really one player. You know, they had Jalen Brunson, who's been unbelievable with the Knicks this year, has had a great season. And, you know, he didn't really fit with the Mavs. They let him go. They brought in Kyrie Irving. You know, and yet we don't see a whole lot of change with this Mavs team. I mean, they had Bronson and they couldn't do anything. They got Kyrie now. They're really not doing anything. And to me, it's that Luka is such a great player, but it's all about Luka. There's no team concept there in Dallas. And I believe in the team concept. I think the whole roster wins you championships and you have to have that chemistry. And I've just never seen the chemistry with the Mavs you know, at any time during Lucas' stint with them. It's funny, you went through a litany of, of player names that you're not putting him in the in the neighborhood of, and that's like, those are the names that he, that are are almost to the letter, letter used by, by Jason Kidd. So I'm going to pull up the actual quote so we can read it. And then there's something weird going on, too, uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs and Kadarius Tony that we got to talk about right after this. Mix Picks, the Mix Picks Sports Show. The Mix Pick Sports Show. Got a hot take? Email us at rad at radradio.com. Uh, we just got this one from Phil. Uh, we've, uh, we've been able to dive way into uh, Steve's forte of sports betting, uh, which is a big part of the background of not just this show, uh, given Steve's experience, but now in America. But what is it, Steve? Is it 38 states in America where it's legal now? I, I think it's around 38 states right uh, now. Uh, so Phil says, okay, when betting. Steve says the line changes depending on where the money is going. Is that the only factor? Do lines in basketball change when certain players are out? This is a big deal in basketball, too, with this load management where you might find out during the day uh, that, oh, uh, by the way, the Lakers aren't playing uh, uh, Davis or, or, or LeBron tonight. Oh, absolutely. The, the second even a rumor comes out that they may be updating it, you'll see the lines go off the board um, to find out what exactly is going on with that game. And then as they find out if it's real, if it's not real, then you'll see the games go back up. But, you know, the star players, they have so much influence on the lines. 
So even though money may have come in a certain way, once you find out a status of if Embiid's going to play or if he's not or LeBron or anything like that, uh, you will see those lines move. A lot of the times you will see the line that's up on the board is based on what they believe is going to happen. He's listed as questionable, but early indications are he's going to play, so that line will lean more towards him playing. And the opposite is true also. If that listed as questionable, but you kind of don't think he's going to play because it's the second game of a back or something like that, and you believe he's going to be out, but it's not listed that way. And these are things as a better you can exploit as well. I mean, the more research you can do on the players and who's going to play and who's not, you know, gets you that advantage over the books and the lines that you're looking at, because that's really what it's about. It's getting the information faster than the books do. So you can bet before they have that ability to adjust the line based updated information so i mentioned the story had just dropped because it just happened uh, like less than an hour ago uh head coach jason kidd of the dallas mavericks did his weekly uh, radio show and got a lot of attention for saying that luke Doncic is the best player in franchise history over dirk Nowitzki. which right away to, to a point you were making before when when because there's more that he says I, look man you gotta win and and that's that's always my problem with some of these proclamations, especially when we're talking about a 24-year-old. I get it. He threw down 73 Friday against Atlanta. Uh, but I wanted to give the exact quote because when when I mentioned that uh, he had mentioned, Jason Kidd has mentioned, had mentioned Luka in the same breath as MJ, you started rattling off players that you wouldn't put him with. Well, he rattled them off saying he would. Here's the exact quote. He's in the atmosphere of MJ, the best to ever do it, LeBron, Kobe, etc. He's better than Dirk. He does things that Dirk could never do, and now is the opportunity of getting the right people around him to ultimately win a championship, end quote. Well, the last part, duh. Yes, get Lucas some help and stop, like you said, making it all about him. The rest of that, I get it. You're rooting for your guy. You're hyping him up. But there's a lot of hyperbole in there. Yeah, there is. I, and, you know, Jason Kidd was a great player with yeah. the Mavs as well. I, I'm not ready to say that Lucas is better than Jason Kidd. You, you know, it's going to come down to championships. You could put up all the numbers in the world, but if you can never score – what, what difference does it make? Dan Marino was one of the greatest quarterbacks who ever played during my lifetime, but he didn't win the big game. He's not mentioned with Joe Montana, Tom Brady, you know, even John Elway. And I believe Marino was a better quarterback than John Elway, but John Elway won a couple of Super Bowls. Dan Marino didn't. So you have to take that factor in it as well. You know, and, I, and not to keep bashing Lamar Jackson, but what you do in the regular season is great, but it's really at the end of the day, are you able to elevate your team to a world champion? And right now, Lamar Jackson has not had success in that postseason, and that's why you can't put him with the elites, and Luka has not either. He can't start winning championships to go into that, you know, into that category with the Kobe Bryants, the Magic Johnsons, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan. I, I mean, I could sit here and probably list 15 guys I wouldn't put Luca ahead of. Because he's not in the conversation. You, you, you look, the announcement, by the way, somebody wrote in uh, and said, uh, hey, as the sports show, you know, it gets established and it gets slow. And the answer is yes. We, I've got a list going of all these fun shows where we can do our Mount Rushmore of all sports. We can do the best basketball, best football players. So yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna dive into things like that when there's just not as much going on right now. There, there's there's too much going on. But you you use the analogy, uh, and it's a great way. You know, Dan Marino, uh, Dan Fouts, the Dans, great throwers, 
they are not in the conversation for best quarterbacks of all time because part of being a quarterback in the NFL is you have to win. You got to at least win one. And, and look, basketball, it's a five-guy sport with a great bench, and there's two or three guys, and you've got to win. Luca's not even I, – I wouldn't even – I'd be, like, looking at you going, why are we even talking about – and he's 24. I, so Jason Kidd, he's his head coach, fine, to, to a certain extent. But it shouldn't be a legitimate conversation. I mean, you started rattling them off. I, I had eight other names. and I bet 25 guys in, and we're not even thinking, Luca, if we were really doing the exercise. Without a doubt. I mean, I didn't even get into Bill Russell. <laughs> right. you, you know, I mean, I would never put him with Bill Russell either. So there, there's so many great players who have played over the years. He is young. His career is just really getting going. But to me, he's got to be more of a team player, not so much about himself. If the Mavs are ever seriously going to contend for, an, uh, you know, the NBA final champions. So uh, going back to the Super Bowl uh, week from Sunday, this Kadarius Tony story is is getting weirder and weirder. He, he's been on the injury report uh, for most of the second half of the season. The, the hip injury, hip ankle injury, hasn't played since December 17th. He practiced last Wednesday. And then was downgraded. And then on Saturday, he was ruled out. And he they they listed on the injury report back to the injuries, the hip and the ankle, and also personal reasons. And I, I went on yesterday when I saw the story to Instagram because he went nuts. Tony was incensed. He, he posted this video. He says, I'm not hurt. Uh, he says, there's none of that. It goes from the hip to the ankle. to the, He's cursing throughout the whole thing. And, and, he, and then Coach Andy Reid said that, no, it's all legit, and that he is, quote, working through some things, and that he would be with the Chiefs, Tony would, when they begin practicing on Thursday. There, there's a report that a lot of this has to do with the fact that he just had his first kid, a daughter, uh, over the weekend. So, like, on the day where they downgraded him, where they listed him out with his injuries and, quote, personal reasons, he had a daughter. And his reaction is, F you, I should be playing. They don't want me to play. What is what is this? This is turning really ugly, and you got to believe the Chiefs are going to face some disciplinary action, some fines if it turns out to that Tony really didn't have any injuries. They're listing it as injuries. I get the personal part. Believe me, I think we all understand the personal part because we're seeing that right now play out. But if they've been listing, you know, back, foot, things like that, and it's really not been the case, then I think the Chiefs could be facing some problems. Tony, to me, is just a troubled player. I, I mean, I roll back to the Raiders and Chandler Jones early on in the season when it's like, what the heck's going on here, you know, during the preseason? Um, there's more going on. He obviously wants to play. The Chiefs, I think, have taken that stance of, you know, not only have you cost us throughout the course of the season at least two games, you know, that yeah. we can talk about that he is – cost them uh he's got some other issues that are personal issues going on and to me the chiefs i don't believe he's going to ever play another down for the chiefs i don't think he's going to play in the super bowl i think in the offseason they will let him go i'm just hoping that if there are issues going on with him he's able to get the help that he needs uh, because right now he's unraveling quickly. Well, and especially now that he has a daughter who's less than a week old. And and you remember, he was a first-round pick for the Giants, and they traded him like halfway into that season, which right away, now that we have this backdrop, is more red flags. And, it, you know, Andy Reid, he didn't say that he's going to play in the Super Bowl. He said, oh, he'll be, he'll be with the team when we start to practice on Thursday. And, and that's exactly what I thought. I thought, okay, 
they're they're just going to shelve him at some point, maybe make him think he's going to play, shelve him on Sunday, um, and he'll never be in a Chiefs uniform. He'll get a ring if they win one, and then it's it's bye bye Tony. And and it is it's one of those uncomfortable. It seems like one of those uncomfortable stories of of a guy who's got something going on and a lot of problems, and the Chiefs are like backing away, and you just hope this doesn't end in the way that so many of these stories sometimes do. Yeah, that's the thing you really hope. I, I like the fact that the Chiefs really hadn't been bringing this out. You know, you never want to bash a player of your organization or anything like that. Yeah. Tony's now open it. I hope the Chiefs remain classful and say, hey, look, you know, this is the stuff we've done. We've listed him. You know, what is correct and what we are listing. And then they just leave it at that. Don't don't be bashing the guy. Don't make it more difficult if Tony ends up, you know, going off the deep end, you know, that's on him, but I like, I'm hoping the chiefs keep it classy through the whole thing. And I'm real curious though, to see at the NFL, what they're going to do. Cause if they find out they fudged these injury reports, you know, there's something there and, and they're going to get penalized for that. Especially since it was always ankle and, and what leg or back or whatever. And then suddenly these personal reasons show up when his daughter's born. And I mean, good for Andy Reid to only say he's going through some stuff or whatever he did. I, I, and hopefully they do that even after he's gone, which he, he probably will be. That's it already, Steve. We'll be back uh, tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. I'll see you then, buddy. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Mix.